getting into action is what removes that fear. There's no way to think yourself into this. It's just doing it, surviving it, doing it again. Um, but as I said, I mean, you, you, you can be more persistent, you can be more persuasive, and you can do it all in the customer's best interest as an advocate for change, because most people fear change, they don't want to change, they really oftentimes want somebody to say, hey, you need to do this, this is what you need to do. This is Outside Sales Talk, the best podcast for outside salespeople. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and we're here to chat with the world's top sales experts so that you can get their best sales tactics to level up your game. Welcome back to Outside Sales Talk. Today, I've got Andrea Waltz with me, and we're going to be talking about overcoming fears of rejection and handling no in sales. Welcome to the show, Andrea. Thanks, Steve. Glad to be with you. Absolutely glad to have you. So uh, by way of introduction, Andrea is a speaker and a virtual trainer, and she's the co-author of Go For No, Yes is the Destination, No is How You Get There. She's also the founder of the publishing company Success in 100 Pages. So Andrea, to jump right into it, um, first of all, what is it to have a go for no mindset? What does that mean? So I know all salespeople want to get to yes. So saying that you need a go for no mindset automatically puts the defense up. Like, what? I don't want to. I don't want to get no. I don't want to hear no. I want to hear yes. So I've created a marketing challenge. We've created a marketing challenge for ourselves with this title. <laughs> Luckily, people stick with it because the subtitle of the book is "Yes is the destination, No is how you get there." So a go for all mindset is really someone who's willing to move through no's to get to yes, to face no to get to yes. So instead of avoiding no, trying to figure out every which way possible to uh, not ask hard, tough questions of your prospects and to not ask closing questions, we say, go for it. If you're, if you're going to get a no, you're better off. And the more that you ask, the more opportunities you'll have to get yes anyway. Outstanding. And what, what is the background of go for no? Yes, there is no bachelor's degree in or expert certificate in rejection. I, I have just named myself America's foremost expert on sales rejection. <laughs> I've crowned myself. Um, yeah, that's, that's I, good. I like to crown myself king of things too. But yeah, <laughs> why not? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I got a bachelor of science in criminal justice. There were no jobs in crime scene investigation when I graduated. It was kind of like be an unpaid intern, go for as long as you can with that. We'll see if maybe something opens up. And I was completely uninterested in that. I wanted to start working. In the meantime, I had been working as a uh, salesperson for a company called Lens Crafters, the eyeglass retailer. They promoted me into management and I worked my way up and I was eventually managing a um, multi-million dollar location. I was the general manager. I was getting into training and doing the two-day orientation classes and sales training. And I loved that part of the business. And I met my now husband there. He was one of their fantastic trainers. And he basically told me the go for no story. It's a story that we refer to in our book. And uh, so he tells me this story basically of how he's this young, struggling salesman failing horribly. This customer comes in one day, his district manager is there to watch him, uh, to watch everybody and see how they're doing. This customer comes in, basically announces he wants to buy an entire wardrobe of clothing. My husband proceeds to take care of this man and he buys a suit, sport coat, slacks, tie, belt, underwear, this $1,100 sale. It came to $1,100. My husband rings him up, sends him on his way and uh, the district manager comes over and asks him a question that was really the, kind of the mindset, mind shift question. And the question was, what did that customer say no to? And my husband, Richard, had to think about the wholesale and basically realized he had shown this customer everything, everything he had shown this guy, the guy said yes to and picked up. So Richard said, you know, he didn't say no to anything. Everything I laid in front of this guy, he purchased. And then the district manager said, well, then how did you know he was done? 
And that was the second really <laughs> mind-shifting question because my husband realized that he was the one who ended the sale. And his district manager gave him some really good advice. He said, your fear of the word no is going to kill you. But if you could just learn to get over that, I think you could be one of the great ones. And so as my husband likes to tell the story, when we speak on stage, he always says he was two letters from greatness and the letters were N-O. And he didn't know if he had what it took to fail, but he knew he had what it took to, uh, excuse me, he didn't know if he had what it took to succeed, but he knew he had what it took to fail. He could fail more often. He could hear no more often. And that's what he did. He just started showing more products to customers, letting them tell him no, instead of shutting the sale down the way he was kind of programmed to do. And after about a year of that, became an award-winning salesperson and eventually got into training. And that's where we met. And he's telling me this story at LensCrafters. And I realized I had like my own epiphany hearing this story because I went, yeah, you know what? I get that yes, that that first easy yes. And then I'm done. Like I will never, I, I don't want to push. I don't want to look pushy. So anyway, we end up uh, um, sharing all of the same sales and management philosophies and ended up launching our own speaking and training company. And every of everything that we talked about, of everything that we taught, Go For No was the thing that people loved. So we self-published our own book. It's a short fable, 80 pages. And that book, it's taken 20 years, but it's now sold over 500,000 copies. And the whole, uh, my whole business now is how to help people change the way they think and feel about rejection so that they can sell and really serve their customers better. Yeah, you know, it, uh, it reminds me of a negotiate, whenever I'm coaching people on how to negotiate, um, that's, it, it reminds me of something that comes up a lot, which is my wet rag theory, which is, uh, I don't think it's my theory. I, 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 maybe I should, I'll put the crown on, but I think I, I, I stole this from someone. My, my, my crown is steals lots of good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I don't know where I stole this from, but somewhere at some point, um, you know, especially with zero summy type negotiations, I, I tell, I, I coach people to think of a negotiation as, uh, you know, we, someone wringing out a, a wet rag. And, you know, if you're dealing with like a procurement officer as a salesperson or something, they're professional negotiators, right? And when are they going to stop making asks and trying to get more out of you when you say no? And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's the same, it's when, it's when you would stop wringing water out of a wet rag. When do you stop wringing the water? Well, when you wring it and no water comes out, you stop wringing the water. And so that's, that's what like a procurement officer will do with a salesperson. They'll just keep wringing them and wringing them until water doesn't come out. And then they're like, okay, well, here's your check. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's a very similar, very similar concept, which uh, so I, it, it, I, think, I think it's a really useful way to look at the world. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I will say this, it's very simple, but it's not easy to do. I, I understand that. I know we're going to talk more about that. Right. Well, and, and you know, you, you have to walk a, a lot of it, especially what you're talking about doing, it's, it's walking a fine, fine line, right? How, how far do you go with your upsells until you're just like, well, now I'm just being ridiculous. Like, how many suits do you want, man? <laughs> right. <laughs> How many things can I add on before this person wants to strangle me? Which is which is really why it does come back to being a good consultant and asking good questions so that when you're recommending things, you can always tie it back to what you heard. If you're just spitting things out, and, and there's a place for that, right? I mean, when you walk up to a cashier and you know they ask you some random question about what else you need, did you find everything okay, blah, blah, blah. Um, or if you would like to add, you know, would you like fries with that? I mean, these are the, like the classic upsells and they work and they especially work when you get asked over and over and over again. Um, McDonald's probably sold many, many, many <laughs> hundreds of millions of French fries just because the question got asked. So, you know, there, yeah. there is some value in that, but there is also a line. Because I really do want fries with that. I didn't order them, but I wanted them. <laughs> and if you're at, and if you're asked, the calories don't count. That's right. Because they were they were forced upon you. Well, and I and I think there's definitely something to learn here, right? Like you, as a salesperson, you want to, you you know, you want to be on their side of the table. You want to be a good consultant to them, 
And if there are things that, that you think they would like, and I mean, if, if the guy's buying one gray suit and you think he really needs a blue one and a black one too, like it's worth asking and, be, and, and showing them when you would use those different ones, right? It's like, well, do you, do you have a black one for funerals? Do you have a, you know, a, a, a blue one for, I don't know when do you wear, wear a blue or a gray suit? I guess I don't wear a lot of suits these days, but um, back when I wore suits that were blue or gray, uh, you know, there the gray i guess was a little more formal and the blue was a little more like casual casual but, exactly, exactly you know but it's worth it's worth if you're a suit salesman bringing this up right and being like hey well you know if you're, you're buying this gray one do you want a black one and a blue one too because the, the, you get three of them for cheaper so just want to let you know so one of the things that uh the district manager told richard that day that i that i didn't mention in the story was he actually asked him do you know where that customer is right now and richard said no where and he said he's at the other end of the mall uh, end of the mall spending the rest of the money you wouldn't let him spend here with us <laughs> so when when we shut sales down oftentimes especially when the customer is i mean he came in and wanted he basically wanted a whole wardrobe of clothing that's what he said when he walked in the door so it's kind of a green light and too often we just let our own self-imposed limitations what how what we would spend on something uh, what we can afford our own and, and sometimes we're selling stuff that we would never buy so it's it's very it becomes very difficult or if we don't believe in it or we just figure you can get by with the cheap one but sometimes people just like the best they don't care that it's two or $3,000 more, they just want the best. They want the best package. They want the best option because that's who they are. That's their identity. So we're just holding ourselves back if we decide for them. Yeah, well, and I, you know, I think also we avoid um, and fear this rejection, right? That's, that, that's probably hardwired into us that we don't, you know, we, we've been normed from a young age to, you know, avoid, asking for things to work till we're told no, because it's rude or something. But um, I, I suspect that your strategy and, and philosophy here is, is really designed to combat that. Absolutely. Because, and there's only one way to combat that fear, which is to take action and see that you can survive asking these questions and to always do it in a customer centric way, but to do it in a more intentional way than maybe you have been. Because we've all been taught and trained to your point, we're hardwired. Absolutely. That's the word I actually use all the time. Hardwired not to get rejected. So well, I, I base my, my questions on what you've written and stuff. So I didn't make it up. Don't worry. Oh. <laughs> you should have said, yes, I'm, I have studied rejection just as much as you, Andrea. And I know exactly all of these things. No, I just, I just, I just stalk. I'm just a stalker. You're stuck. Awesome. <laughs> You're all over the internet. Talking about being hardwired. <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, that's that's really the deal, uh, is getting into action is what removes that fear. There's no way to think yourself into this. It's just doing it, surviving it, doing it again. Um, but as I said, I mean, you, you, you can be more persistent, you can be more persuasive, and you can do it all in the customer's best interest as an advocate for change because most people fear change. They don't want to change. They really oftentimes want somebody to say, Hey, you need to do this. This is what you need to do. Well, yeah, I think you can view, if you view this from being, Hey, I'm a change agent. I'm, I'm trying to have a positive impact on this and just show them their options and why they can be beneficial. Then this can actually, you know, being, being pushy and going until you get the no, it, it can be positive for obviously the salesperson, but also be viewed positively for the customer, I think, in that light. Absolutely. And that's the thing is, Noah's, um, my friend Weldon Long, a great sales trainer, always says, no is a perfectly acceptable answer. We want people to feel like they have the power to say no, because they do. They absolutely have the power to say no, right? The customers and prospects, when they have that, when we're not afraid of hearing no from them, it actually makes it easier to get answers from customers. When people feel like they can't tell us the answer, that's when we end up getting ghosted and, and, and things like that. When we're willing to ask the hard, tough questions up front to really discern if somebody is qualified instead of just hoping and, and praying that maybe this person will turn out to be a customer, when we're willing to go for no, when we're willing to get those no's early on, that's really powerful because it saves you a lot of time 
it, you make sure that you're talking to qualified people more often. And I think ultimately prospects are more attracted to that. You don't look desperate. And how, how much do you poke around the no? Like, how do you, when you've gotten your first no, for example, like I mean, you've, you've heard, you know, sayings like never take no for an answer or hear no three times or how, how, how far do you poke around that no? And what are some general strategies you give our salespeople listening to this today um, around pushing on the no a little bit? Yeah, so pushing on the no, if you have a qualified prospect, so you are trying to turn them from prospect to customer, your attitude should be, it's only a matter of time. Now, it doesn't mean that you badger them day after day for six weeks or six months and you call them every day and you make them insane, <laughs> but it's a uh, mindset that says, I'm going to stick with this person and continue to help them add value, stay in touch with them, stay engaged. And at some point down the line, there may be an opportunity where they would be open to trying our service, trying our product, making a change, whatever. And so as long as you have that in the back of your mind and you create a sort of cadence, meaning you follow up on regular intervals with reasonable facts. I always kind of in my head, I teach people to follow up with two things, um, a fact about you and a fact about them. So it's what's going on with your company and then something that you notice that's going on with your customer. So this requires some research, it requires some understanding of what's going on with your customer. But when you share those two pieces of information, when you follow up, it's not just, hey, I'm just checking in. It's hey, I saw that you guys just opened three more locations, thought it would be a great time to check back with you because we also have a special going on right now this summer or whatever. So these couple facts, it's a great way to follow up. And that's, that's really the mindset of this. It's um, stay engaged, stay connected with those no's for as long as it takes. Makes sense. And how do you approach objection versus rejection so a no is just a you know can be construed as a hard no but how do you tell something's an objection that you should actually over attempt to to run a, an objection overcoming strategy versus how do you know when to circle back like you've been describing like so like i a, love this a, like I, yeah, no being I, no can be an objection or no can mean later no and no can also just mean no yeah so you've got to figure out and sometimes it's very difficult. This is the art and selling that is, uh, or the art and science, sorry, the art and science that is selling. And I would love to give you like the perfect scenario and scripting for how this, how this looks and how this goes. But yeah, the goal is to figure out what's really going on behind the no. And, and I think when you have the mindset of, oh, it's a no, okay, I'm just going to turn hightail it away and never reach out to these people again, you're looking at it all wrong. No is the, should be the beginning of the conversation. Now, whether you dig into the what and why behind that no on day one, call one, visit one, probably not. Um, maybe what you do is you get that no. And the first thing that you do is just kind of think of a, the metaphorical idea of just getting your foot in the door and just try to keep your foot in the door by asking if it's okay if you stay in touch, get that permission to stay in touch, to follow up, see if you can add them to, if you have some kind of list, some kind of mailing list where you're sending out information, whatever, if that's appropriate for you. Once you get that permission, I think that goes a long way in beginning to build that relationship. But once you have that relationship built and maybe you get a couple no's, then it could start to be a situation where you can find out the why behind the no. And if you were able to, let's say, sit down with somebody and ask some really good questions. Now, keep in mind this at this moment, we are not we are no longer doing go for no. We're doing go for yes, because we're doing we're moving from asking to persuasion. Right. We're trying to persuade somebody out of a no and into a yes, which absolutely 100 percent can be done by skilled salespeople and people who've spent, you know, have the time and experience in dealing with their customers. 
And when I say skilled, I mean skilled in having the courage and confidence to, in that moment when you get that no, figure out and be willing to ask and say, wow, I'm surprised based on everything that you told me, this seemed like it would be the perfect solution for you guys. Um, do you mind if I ask you why you're saying no? Or what makes you say no to this today? I'm curious because this seemed perfect for you guys. So though, you know, asking those tough questions, again, a lot of people don't want to ask those questions. So it's maybe not something that you do day one, visit one, but it's something that you do down the line as you continue to build that connection with that person. That makes a ton of sense. I was, I was also thinking about Jim Carrey and uh, Dumb and Dumber when he's asking the girl out towards the end of the movie he, and she like gives him a pretty clear no and he, I forget what's, what scenario he spins, but he's like, so you're saying there's a chance. You're telling me there's a chance, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is like so clad and so classic in sales, yeah. Um, and he has like a 0.0001% chance, but hey. Right, if, if that, uh, yeah, yes. I think it was, uh, you know, it's, it's, you want to not be that guy, but you want to figure out how you can, you know, what questions can I ask to show and shine light on, on, on uh, why this might be a good idea. Although yeah. going out with a guy in Dumb and Dumber is probably never a good idea, but. Probably never a good idea. <laughs> you know, and, that, and that's why I think it, it does come back to asking good questions and having, um, so I'll give you my definition of courageous selling, which is caring more about educating somebody on the products and services that you have and helping them make a decision that caring more about that than you care about getting told no. So you, you as the salesperson put the burden on yourself to have the emotional pain, uh, maybe even physical pain because no's do sting. They do, they do impact us physically to some, some extent, the more you get, I think the more you can numb yourself to those feelings but you take on the burden of that. And the reason you're doing it is because you care about making sure that you can and, and helping these companies solve their problems. And in order to do that, you've gotta be willing to reach out to them. You've gotta be able to tell your story. You've gotta be able to make the hard, ask the hard questions and make the tough asks, maybe when you don't want to, maybe when it feels a little uncomfortable. That's really what courageous selling is all about. So if you can frame it that way, I think it goes, it goes and helps people who feel, who don't want to be that salesy, awkward, you know, and certainly we're not advocating being pushy or aggressive. That's not this at all. Um, in fact, there's nothing aggressive about go for no, because all we want is to get that no, and then we'll move on. We'll stay engaged, but we'll move on. And I, I think that is a, a big challenge for people, especially early in their sales careers, you know, getting comfortable with asking questions that you could quote unquote fail at or get told no at, what do you recommend for someone who's, who doesn't feel like they're very good at this? Who You mentioned like, you know, our, our feelings getting number, you know, you know, people say you get thicker skin. What, what, what would you recommend to someone? Get really good at just falling on your face and messing up. And I'm, I'm like dead serious. I remember when we launched our company and my, my job, and this was like even the pre-internet, the internet was like very creaky and <laughs> it was put together with sticks and branches and stones. So you'd go, like there was no Google, you'd go onto AOL and get some information and get some uh, leads for companies. We were working with retail organizations then. And you're, I would- you're, you're, definitely, you're definitely dating us. <laughs> oh God, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Um, so sorry, apologies to the people listening to this. I know you have, it so, you have it so much easier though. Let me just tell you. But of course, when you get on the phone with another human, like the, the first knee jerk reaction is, okay, I don't want to make a fool out of myself and I don't want to fall on my face and I don't want to say anything stupid. Well, I have bad news when, especially in the beginning, you're going to do that and do it a lot, do it, get it over with. This is like learning how to ride a bike, skin your knee over and over again, fall off, look like an idiot. And eventually you'll learn how to ride a bike and you'll be riding with all of your friends. It'll be great. So when I was making those calls, it was a lot of times a train wreck. I would just get off the phone and cringe going like, oh, that was so horrible. <laughs> that was so embarrassing. Um, but I knew that I had to do it. It was the only way to find, I was looking for people's names. I was leaving voicemails that were 
oftentimes, because uh, I wasn't using a script, they were not particularly good. And I still succeeded somehow, miraculously, because I just focused on the behaviors which were reaching out to these people and doing it enough and, and, and following up without hearing from them. I wouldn't get a call back, would follow up, would send information um, via this thing called mail. So those behaviors are how you do it and you will fail and you've got to change your relationship with failure, honestly. And that's what we talked about in the book, Go For No. We actually discussed two different failure models for failure and success. And the one model is you are in the middle, failure, rejection, hearing the word no is on one side, getting yes, having success and everything that you want is on the other. And we have been taught, society has taught us that we have to choose success and go to yes and try to avoid failure and avoid hearing no. So get everything that you want, but experience no pain, have no awkwardness, don't fall on your face. Sorry, that's not how life works. There's a right. different model that you need to apply. Apply, And that is where you are on one side, failure, rejection, hearing the word no is in the middle and the success and the yeses that you're seeking are on the other side of that process. And so all great people in their fields, whatever their fields, have just fallen on their face enough times and they didn't care because they know that the end of that process is going to be worth it. So you have to embrace failure. That's the number one, that's the number one answer to your question, Steve. Yeah, and I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, this goes with a lot of philosophies I have. I mean, the the in order to succeed at any anything interesting, you have to have risked failing, right? Like if, if it's that tried and true a path that's that you can't, if the path is so well worn that you cannot fail on it, then it's not going to be, you know, that exceptional a path, right? I think Buddha um, said that, yes. Oh, really? Well, there you go. <laughs> that sounds for that sounds like a, one of those Zen quotes. No, but seriously, <laughs> you're right. If the path is well worn and it's easy, trust me, it's it's nowhere worth going. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, or and maybe it's worth going there for some people, but not not everybody. And it's certainly not going to be an exceptional path. I mean, the you know, right. I mean, I certainly like the. I'd say the the biggest challenge for people that have been generally successful in life, you know, you know, people went to, you know, did great in high school, went to a great college, got a, you know, grad degree and did great in grades all the way through. And then they get thrown into the real world. And it's like, oh, well now to succeed now there, there is risk of failure. So it's like an A or an F and uh, <laughs> those, those B pluses that you were used to just kind of showing up and getting, you're not going to get those now it's A or F and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, whether you're starting a company or, or you know, taking a career risk or, or you know, whatever it is. I, I think there's also something evolutionary going on here. Um, we, with respect to what you're talking about, like it's not just that society has conditioned us to not do things that we could be told know about. I think we're evolutionarily like we're, we're used to, we're evolved to deal, live in small groups of people and you know, who we have repeated interactions with for our whole lives. And we're evolved to not, you know, do things to offend that group, not get told no, right? We have a, we have a tendency to, to not rock boats and not shake things up and not do things that, you know, might, might uh, push things. And, and I think as a salesperson, you have to get out of that comfort zone and be willing to, um, you know, take, take the risks of maybe even pissing people off if you, uh, if, if, you know, it's, 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 you can't always only only do things that have a hundred percent result of being pleasing, right? It, it, you because to push people to push people to make the hard choices that they need to make, uh, sometimes you have to push them out of your out of their comfort zone, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. If you think about think about the safe no's that you get on a daily basis with the people closest to you, you ask your significant other, or your spouse, like, hey, like you really want Chinese food. You go, hey, you want to go to the Chinese place tonight? You're risking getting a no, but it's a very safe no. So if you get told no to that, it's like no big deal. Doesn't affect you at all. So why is that? And the reason is exactly what I just said. It, it is a safe no from somebody that you trust and you know that the relationship, you're not looking for for validation out of that answer. The relationship won't be harmed. You're not going to look pushy. Uh, they're not questioning your motives, but we put a, a ton of uh, 
emotional and psychological baggage on unsafe nose on business nose on asking somebody for a favor like calling somebody and trying to see if you know you could interview for a job or if they have a connection to some job that you want right so you're asking for this favor and the stakes are just entirely different it just feels very very different very different than getting that safe no uh the question is is it really different or are you just interpreting it in such a way and putting all kinds of baggage on that um, and I think most of us do. We we just interpret that ask in a whole different light. Yeah, uh, it's something we should all think about. I think. And, and what about what about if rejection is hard for us, if, and the, or the concept of failure? How can you thicken your skin? What are you know? Are there drills that you can you know stare stare in the mirror and slap yourself in the face? What what do you? What do you what do you recommend to help people? People, people listening to this are like, oh man, this is getting really difficult now. This is really painful. Um, no, reward yourself with ice cream. It's gonna be fabulous. You'll be fine. All right. So how do you how do you kind of change your mindset and rejection? Well, we talked about um about getting into activity and, and taking action. So one of the strategies that we teach is something called no goals. So set a goal for the number of no's you're gonna hear. And when you get that, hit that no goal, it could be getting two no's in a day to appointments, like maybe you're setting appointments or something like that, uh, getting five no's throughout the week to closing sales. It's whatever your um, process is. But when you hit that no goal, that's when you should celebrate and reward yourself. So it's not always about, we're very good at celebrating yeses, but, and yeses are great. Don't get me wrong. That is ultimately what we want. But if we're doing the behaviors necessary to get the results that we want. So it's, it's like the equivalent of uh, going to the gym and working out. You know, you go to the gym, you work out, you don't really see any results. Well, you have to do it consistently. And your reward is somewhere down in the future where after doing it for three or four months, you finally turn around and go like, wow, I'm actually making progress. It's the same with sales. Focus on the income producing behaviors and getting no's is one of them because if you can set a goal for the number of no's, the yeses will come during that process. And then make sure that you celebrate that and reward yourself for the behaviors. You, you've been uh, talking about this for years, right? I mean, your your book "Go for No" was published in uh, in two thousand. It, it when we were very young, very young. <laughs> I was a small child. <laughs> right, I, I was in diapers. I think. How has your approach changed uh, throughout the years? Uh, you know, as you've spent all this time focusing on this element uh, of of the sales process. So that is my favorite question. And it definitely has, because when we wrote the book, the book is very, the book is a fable. It's about a guy who goes to bed one night, wakes up the next morning in a beautiful house owned by a wildly successful future version of himself, a guy, a 10 years in the future version of himself. And he kind of goes on this little quest. Believe me, we accomplished all of this in 80 pages. So it's, it's a short, fast, fast read. And he learns the, the secret of, of what go for no means. But it's very much a, I think, a strategy that was focused on kind of the numbers game philosophy, which certainly is a part of sales. You can't help but understand that the quantity of presentations impacts your results. If you are not out there seeing customers, if you're not making calls, if you're not doing any anything outbound, uh, then your activity, your pipeline is going to shrink <laughs> it's, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to get bad. So, um, so that's, that is a big part of where we started, where we've kind of transitioned, I think, with technology, and a big part of it is technology is the more emotional and psychological factors, because technology's made a lot of this easier. You, you can set up automated messaging on LinkedIn. You can set up a Calendly link, send an automated message, set up a Calendly link and have it, have appointments made for you and ha not have to do any of this stuff, right? Not have to have any awkwardness. And yet what we have found from teaching people and coaching people through go for no is that they are just as nervous and scared at every step of the process of rejection. And it doesn't matter how much technology is there. It doesn't matter how many social media posts you do. 
there's still anxiety hitting send, even sending emails. That anxiety still exists with the technology because to your point earlier, we're still dealing with brains that haven't caught up to the 21st century, like not by a long shot. And uh, what have you learned um, from teaching this philosophy over all these years and, and, and helping other apply this philosophy? What, what's, what, uh, what are some, some key learnings that have jumped out at you? So I've learned that there's a couple different groups of people. There's people that hear go for no and they get it instantly. They go, oh my gosh, I just have to go here no more so make more asks and I'll get more yeses. Yeah, that makes total sense. And they'll do it. We have a, a guy, he's one of our big success stories. He's, his name is Ray Higdon and he has a company now doing training and he decided he was going to hear 20 no's a day. He didn't care from who he was just going to get 20 no's a day as fast as he could prospect all the time, everywhere he was out. Didn't matter. He was at a gas station car wash. I mean, he was going to get 20 no's a day. He is wildly successful to today and credits a lot of it for go for no. So there's people that just get it and they do it. Then there's people that um, are so anxiety ridden and have such emotional baggage. I think not from, not from like the societal pressures we've talked about or the hardwiring, but some kind of trauma, some kind of early childhood trauma. And of course it's, we're not psychologists. We're not equipped to deal with that. And they can't take action no matter what. And I beg these people, just fail, just screw up. I don't, you don't have to get a yes. Pick up the phone and get a no. Fail. See that you survived. Your confidence will will improve when you do this. And it doesn't matter. So the majority of people are kind of in the middle. And I've I've recognized over the years that these are really the people that need our help the most. They um they need help and forming new habits and go for no is just a different habit. It's just a different mindset, a different way of thinking because we've been taught and trained to go for yes. When people think that something's out of their league, when they look at a prospect or a company and they say, well, that company is too big. They're never going to, they're never going to take my call. I'm never going to get through the door. I'm just not going to call on them. We have to challenge those assumptions and say, wait a minute, just go for no, just try it. Who cares? Who cares if they throw you out? Just go for it. And so the, those are the group of people I think that can be most successful with it because they don't have the, the trauma and issues. They don't have the super anxiety, but um, they just really need to focus on the mindset and developing and creating that habit. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I, I've seen very smart, very successful people, um, you know, hamstring themselves out of a fear of failure. Uh, you know, a, a fear of getting a no or a fear, I guess it, it not, it, in this case, more of just like recognizing, oh, if I take this path, I could fail. And therefore they, they pulled out of it where it would have been a great path. Um, but it's, it's, I, I think it's important to, to be confident and to be, to put yourself in a mind, to be, to be able to win, you know, mentally endure this risk, I think in life or else, you know, it affects lots of areas, I think. I mean, if you if you can't be told no, how can you ask anyone out on a date? Or how could you look for a new job? Or how could you successfully do lots of things? This isn't just sales. I think this is applicable to lots of stuff. It's a total life philosophy. And the more that you shut yourself down and tell yourself no, instead of getting no's from other people, getting no's from the outside world, and you keep telling yourself no, it is true. Your comfort zone just shrinks around you. And before you know it, you're just operating in such a small little circle and such a small little bubble that the opportunities that you should have, the opportunities you should have coming your way in all areas of life, not like you said, not just sales, not just business, shrink, start shrinking around you. And you, you find that you're not able to take advantage of those things because you're so protective of doing everything you can not to be rejected. Um, well, next section is sales in 60 seconds. So quick questions, quick answers. Okay. Um, along, along the same lines, we were just talking about what are, what are your tips for salespeople to become more confident? How can they be more resilient? So one idea is, uh, 
learn to stop taking no personally. I call it uh, being a Q-tip, which stands for quit taking it personally. Don't take things personally. It's not about you, even when it's about you. And so you can't look for validation of your life choices, validation of your company, validation of you as a, as a human and as a person in making a sale. Sometimes salespeople can do that. You, you can't seek that validation. You've got to build your own personal belief, have, have your own self-confidence, regardless of whether someone says yes or no to you. And that's, again, remember I said, a lot of these concepts are, are simple. They're, they're not necessarily easy. So some of it does take some, some work on building your self-confidence. Yeah, I mean, some of the stuff people, some people learned in kin when they were kindergarten aged and uh, other people had had traumas when they were kindergarten age that keep them from, from doing yeah. this. So it's, is it's, this uh, a, are we in the 60 seconds thing? Cause my answers are always so long. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. We, you know, they, no one gets electrocuted if we, uh, if we go. Oh, over. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it is, it, I, I get, tell me more about how this applies universally. Cause I think, we, you know, you've talked a lot, a lot about sales, but it, it really, I'm thinking about how this applies to lots of areas of people's lives. I think there, there are so many people that a fear of rejection or a fear of being told no stops them from doing lots of things. So there was a guy uh, many years ago who wrote a book, his name is Zha Zhang, and he wrote a book called Rejection Proof, and it was about his 100 days of rejection. And for 100 days, and I remember when he was doing this live and he was putting up videos on YouTube, every day he would pick some wacky, crazy, experimental thing to do, to ask for. And one of the things that he asked for uh, went completely viral on YouTube. So again, like way back in the day, he went into a, I think it was a Dunkin' Donuts and asked them to build in five, like five donut rings, the Olympic sim symbol with these five donuts. And the girl behind the counter was kind of like, okay, I think we can do that. I mean, this is such a weird thing, right? They're used to just putting donuts in a box and sending you on your way. They're not used to doing this. So they build him this Olympic symbol and he posts the video and it just goes completely crazy. One, because you know he, he had the guts to ask for this weird thing, but two, because she, as a good customer service person, just figured it out and did it and made the customer happy. So that part of it went viral. And then he did a, he did all kinds of other, other things. I mean, he would, he asked people for money. He asked people if he could give them money and got turned down to that, which is really, which is really weird because people are so like, they think there's, you know, it's gotta be a scam. This guy's trying to give me five bucks. No, no, no. And that's why asking is such a life philosophy. There's so much psychology underlying just being willing and having the courage to ask for things. Maybe I think some of it has to do with the fact that we don't want to look selfish. We don't want to express our true needs oftentimes to people. That's why the safe knows are safe. And then when you get into business, you care so much about how you're perceived and how you look. Because if you if you put that in jeopardy, and of course your brain is always terrified of you screwing something up, your brain's designed to keep you alive and basically thinks you're an idiot. So let's, let shuts you down at every turn. Like, don't do that. You don't know what you're doing. You're going to get, get us killed. But we're, again, we're in the 21st century. So it is a complete and total universal topic. It is a life philosophy. And we encourage people to put go for no into action whenever you can. You walk into a restaurant, you see like the cute table for two at the front window with the little flower on it. And then they walk you all the way to the back. It's dark and they set you by the water station. This is your opportunity. Go for no, walk right back up to the hostess and say, I would really love to sit at the cute table in the window with the flower on it and just see if you can get it. I mean, these, there are all kinds of practical ways, all kinds of go for no moments that happen in your life that you can execute on and try and fail. And if she says, no, I'm sorry, that's reserved for our our customers that come in all the time, you go like, all right, at least I tried. Sure. There's no harm in asking, right? Exactly. And uh, what about overcoming this permanently? Is it even possible to overcome our fear of no? It's just this little two-letter two letter word. Is it possible to, to no, no longer fear it and to, to have that level of confidence? Or, or should we just kind of expect that 
there will always be lingering fears of it, but we, we just have to come to terms with them. I think it's a practice. I think like any personal development skill, you absolutely can get better. It starts with the belief that you can get better. You know, there's a lot of people, not necessarily in sales, um, although I have met people in sales who really hold out their fear of rejection as a badge of honor. Like, I hate rejection. I hate hearing no. I'm afraid of it. And it's so stop with that whole badge of honor thing, like become somebody who says, you know what, I can challenge, this is just a belief. This is a belief system. This is a mindset. And I can become somebody who can think and feel differently about rejection. And you can. So you've got to change that, that faulty belief system first, and then make it a practice. So keep practicing go for no in your sales career, in your life. And you can get, you can numb yourself to know you can get better. Listen, I was like, I didn't like hearing no. I was a complete and total people pleaser. Even though I actually thought I was a spectacular salesperson, when I was told the go for no story, I realized that I didn't like hearing the word no. And I also realized that I thought that if I heard the word no, that that would somehow be that people wouldn't like me, which was like a horrible thought to me. Oh my gosh, everyone has to like me. Everyone literally has to like me. And then through just working and teaching this uh, for so many years, I've so embraced the idea of rejection and love the fact that people have their differences. And so if somebody doesn't like me, if somebody hates me, if somebody hates go for no, I completely laugh it off. It, it has absolutely nothing to do with me. And so you can absolutely transcend those, um, those parts of your personality that you think might be fixed. And what else should salespeople do daily to to uh, to become more successful, um, or to or to become more comfortable and thicken their skin with with rejection? So make it work on making going for no a habit. One of the things that I encourage salespeople to do is go through your process and what are the times in your process where you're actually asking the customer to make a decision? What are your decision moments? We call those go for no moments. And look at those and ask yourself, how many times am I executing on those? Like, are, is, there, is there a point in your process where you ask your customer or your prospect to give you a review, let's say, write a review online? Do you just assume that they're not going to do it? So you go like, ah, I'm not going to bother asking, or it's just one more thing I'm asking them for, so I don't want to look pushy. Or is this a go for a moment that you can start doing more often and actually getting some results because most of the time we're always shutting those things down. We don't wanna ask, we don't wanna ask. So we're constantly shutting those down. So make a list of your go for no moments, put them somewhere you can see them on your phone, on your desk and just practice executing more often. Well, I'm gonna attempt to summarize all the stuff you've taught us about here today. Uh, No promises, but uh, so first of all, The go for no mindset is about being willing to push through no's to get a yes. Salespeople shouldn't fear the word no. They should keep going and push through it so you don't limit the size of the sale um, or limit the sale in any other way by by avoiding getting told no. You want to get over your fear of no by practicing being more persistent and and hearing the word no and then overcoming the word no. You got to be willing to ask the hard, tough questions up front in order to qualify your prospects. And you want to stay engaged and connected with your no's for as long as it takes. So when you follow up, um, maybe include a fact about you and a fact about them, but but do follow up even if you've been told, you know, no, not right now, you know, Sometimes no means not right now. Know when that is and continue to follow up because a lot of times, a lot of sales, especially on bigger decisions, you got to follow up many times to actually get it done. You want to figure out what's really going on behind the no. Ask for permission to stay in touch, to build a relationship. And after building a relationship, you, you might try to figure out what the, you've got, you've, you've already got rapport with someone, you can do a better job of getting to the why behind no, you know, you can ask, hey, what makes you say no to this? Courageous selling is about carrying 
more about educating a prospect about how you can solve their problems and caring less about the no. Salespeople need to change their relationship with failure because really you need to embrace failure in order to succeed. Think of the safe no's that you get every day from people you trust and, and how really those no's aren't a big deal. You know, she's the Chinese food example. Take into, take into consideration and don't put a lot of emotion or self-validation on the unsafe no's or the no's that you get from prospects or customers you're asking things for. You want to celebrate your no's because no's are a, a, something you always encounter on the path to yes. This has been such a fantastic episode. Where can listeners who are hearing this today and, and want to get to know more about your work, get to know you better, read more from you. How do they best reach out to you? What's the best way to get to know more about you and your work? It's easy. I'm well-branded. By the way, that was an amazing summary. And you should, I, I, I hope you send that to me because that's like a great cheat sheet for future interviews. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, yeah. So if you type in, I'm at go for no on Twitter and Instagram and I'm on Facebook, go for no, and LinkedIn. My LinkedIn profiles go for no. So yeah, if you type in gofornow.com, you will find me. But I, I would encourage people to go onto our gofornow.com website, take our 20 question quiz, see where your mindset is, uh, take our free quiz. There's some very interesting, tricky questions. I'm just warning you, they are, they are a bit tricky. And then you'll get a score. So you can see like kind of where you are in your, thinking about failure rejection and the word no. Awesome. Well, this has been a great episode of the Outside Sales Talk. If you work in field sales, you'll love Badger Maps. The number one route planner helps you sell 20% more, drive 20% less, which is super useful in this world where gas is really expensive. So you can get a free trial at badgermapping.com today. And if anyone can think of anyone, if anyone comes to mind uh, who could use a little, little work on, on getting to know and going for no, uh, definitely send this podcast on to them so that they can uh, learn from Andrea as well. And Andrea, thanks a lot for, for sharing your wisdom with us today. This has been just fantastic. My pleasure, Steve. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Take care. Until next time, everybody.